On this week's The Koi Gig podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's owner Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, is a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? Okay. But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. There's fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, Do you know on. what? Oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. <laughs> it is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. My God, we're back. We're back, everybody. A slight tangent is coming at you. It is a triumphant return. And I'm very happy to say my amigos are alongside me. To my right, I have Willow Callahan. Will, you're very welcome back to A Slight Tangent. Hello. Yeah, glad to be here, Joe. We have Michael McCarthy, who was away on holidays. In part, that's the reason there was no... Sorry, everyone. Sorry, I won't go anymore. In sorry. recent sorry. weeks, work-life balance overrated. Slight tangent. Underrated. Underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Good start. Yes. And Arthur O'D. Arthur. Here all along. We've dragged you back in again. So if you're wondering what this slot is, the PM FM OTB team convene. We settle the rights and wrongs of the world. And uh, it's basically just it's your letters at this stage, isn't it? I was just going to say, initially, yeah. this slot started with us needing to fill some time when there was a lack of football on. It was uh, one of the quieter periods. And uh, now uh, the number of emails, I know this is a thing that people say in the media and it generally means the opposite but the number of emails and messages is insane so thank you so much a slight tangent at offtheball.com for all the many emails we're not going to get to as many of them as we really should a lot of very good ones in there but very sincerely uh, thank you because uh, you, lots of you are saying uh, very nice things about the slot as well you don't put your hands up no I just, I, was, I just want to make a, a point of order if that's okay for people who don't get their email read out but they think it's worth it feel free to send it again possibly abbreviated or whatever just because the chances of our, us remembering the following week to go back and search the old emails it is a time issue most weeks oh you there's know? zero if you haven't made the cut consider your email gone no yeah but don't consider it uh, <laughs> unchosen it's a bit give it another chance give it okay but I would agree with your abbreviation. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't get in two weeks in a row, yeah, maybe change the Read the room. Though you kept saying that you liked the long emails, the long form. Change my mind, Joe. Yeah, I, told you. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Oh, when we start getting millions of them. Yeah. I don't have time to read them. Rod for our backs, that. Keep it, you know, concise, to the point. It's partly our own fault because obviously we were away from this lot for a few oh, weeks. The next thing, it backed up. A lot of excess information. I mean, we're getting live stories here. Will I proceed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th th thanks for ensuring there will so, be no emails for yeah, next week. But Listener, I hate your emails. I like your emails. I want your emails, but I don't want to read them. No, it's just um, brevity will increase the chances of one being read out uh, and two Who's reading read. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's jump in. No particular order here. Uh, how are the lads? Big fan of the show. The question I am putting forward is, can grown men wear jerseys? Uh, as a kid, like most of us, I loved trying to emulate my sporting heroes by wearing my favourite team's jerseys. As I got a bit older, I started wearing some more obscure jerseys. I spent hours on eBay searching for some vintage Vauxhall conference shirts. Searching for these jerseys became a real passion of mine. But increasingly, I seem to be getting more of a kick out of defining the jersey than wearing them. And as a 32-year-old man, 
I think I may be too old to be wearing my Parma Cannavaro shirt, dropping my son to the childminders. I have uh, some code of ethics when it comes to wearing jerseys. You would obviously never see me in a shirt of a player who is younger than me or that of a rival team. But I am now at the stage of asking myself, is it time to swap the 1998 Adidas Kerry jersey in for uh, Team Polo when we're playing in Crow Park this summer? Please, God. Thanks, lads, and keep up the good work. John from Killarney. Is John at 32 just a little bit old to be walking around bringing his children to the childminders? I think John has managed to yarra us within his email as well by saying, hopefully we get to Crow Park <laughs> so I get a chance to wear my jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Is this just a natural carry thing to do to play yourself down, even when it comes to attending sport? Are you wearing a jersey, Will, as a man in your 30s these days? Far less likely, I think, at this stage. Yeah. I still have a few, but I haven't actually bought one in a long, long time. My days are done. My jersey days are done, I have to say. They've been done for about a decade. Except for when you go to the gym with your Connacht jersey. Yeah. Surely going to the gym or playing fives or something like that is different. Sorry, playing fives, yeah. I'm talking about in, in, in my civvies. Yeah. Fives? When did that become a thing? Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a tangent that we won't go down. What about you? Uh, again, I just find I don't have a strong opinion that it shouldn't be done. And I certainly, I think if I had a cool Cannavaro Parma jersey, I would have no problem uh, going to the childminders in it. It's nice clothes. Uh, I do find that I just naturally wear jerseys less and less to the point of basically I don't wear them at all anymore. I got a I got a Villa jersey, a Villa retro jersey, I think two birthdays in a row. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I know that Arthur, Arthur and Joe don't like us getting birthday <laughs> presents. They think it's for children. <laughs> this is this is the people that I have to put up with every day, listener. Uh, they don't like birthdays. No, but uh, I just find that they're in the closet more and more yeah you know but it's my birthday I, on Sunday by the way coming no just come oh sorry Joe that's all right happy fine. belated birthday yeah, thanks did you get anything nice um, got a jersey uh, I got a Fitbit oh, oh, very nice yeah 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 good even oh, though you don't believe my charging <laughs> that'll happen uh, yeah I don't know I, I just I, I wouldn't stick a jersey on now at all I'd say mid 20s is there anything stopped. wrong with it though I no, suppose I, I think we all I think you naturally think stop so. doing it you just naturally stop wearing they're, I think for the, for the most part they're quite ugly though. Yeah, well that's, from a fashion point, I just think it's a bad look. I saw a fellow walking through town on the way in yesterday. I, I suspect he wasn't, I don't, he, I don't think he was from here. It was probably, um, just he was in a group, so kind of the group, well, they didn't seem familiar with the surroundings. So I'm guessing that around. And it was kind of around Dublin Castle, so you're probably, you know, it's one of the sites. Kerry, I'd say. Yeah. And he was wearing, <laughs> he was wearing uh, a Man United jersey from 99. You know the white one? Yeah, from nineteen yeah nineteen ninety nine with Keane sixteen on the back. Yeah, and I thought God, that's a very conscious choice. You've thought about that, and you thought I'm going to be walking around Ireland. Mm. I'm going to wear this Roy Keane jersey. Mm. You, you don't go. like that. I don't like it. I don't think it'll look good. I think it's interesting that at thirty two he's even. So whatever about day to day, Monday to Friday, I think it's interesting he's feeling at thirty two. I don't know if I'd be, wear, be wearing a Kerry jersey to Crow Park anymore. I don't think I like again. There's no judgment either way, but I especially wouldn't judge someone wearing a, a jersey to a match. Yeah, the one he's picked out as well is the ultimate Kerry jersey to wear. It's the one everyone wants to pick up, which is that late '90s yeah. one-season Adidas jersey. Mm. So it's not like you're wearing a bad Kerry jersey. Crow, Crow Park would be a dour place if everyone says, "Well, I need to wear my polo shirt." Polo shirt, very great. The, the thing about that is now, and I, I disagree on the Kerry thing, but say if you're going to Clare matches, like I think the Clare kit is a very nice kit. I think it looks brilliant on a pitch, right? Mm. I don't think as an adult the bright yellow jersey looks particularly good with a pair of jeans. <laughs> and, no. you know, and you do get to that point where it's like, 
I have a very nice like navy t-shirt here that has the Enclore uh, yeah. Yeah, symbol and it has the bl- blue and uh, yellow uh, strips but ultimately I can wear it all night and not feel like yeah I'd be going for that I'm luminous yeah uh, we'll push on look each to their own is ultimately the only conclusion we can reach uh, hi Joan Coyce uh, just listening to the most recent episode of a slight tangent Arthur spoke about not wanting to criticise a play as it's something that an individual created. Surely there is an argument that every sporting performance is something that has been created and it's an expression of the athlete's personality. As Yates said, how can we know the dancer from the dance? Love the show, Connor and Artane. I mean, I feel a great queasiness about criticising sports people, I have to say. Like, I've asked far too many questions in the last 48 hours about Ross Byrne that I'm happy to have asked, but, you know, it's the job, so you get on with it. But um, is there not a parallel with criticising a play and a sports person? No. Art? No. No, it's not art. Huh. It's a very direct. Like we'll, if you take the thing from criticizing personnel, it's always and retros. If you take Ross Byrne, it's retrospective to the point of whatever the result was. If he knocked over a drop goal from seventy at the seventy-eight or ninth minute, everything before then, you wouldn't be criticizing him whatsoever. It would all be kind of laudatory and it'd be fantastic and sections there and everything else. So it's kind of all set against whatever happens in a match, in well, a contest. I, to be fair, I'd like scoreboard journalism you're accusing me of. I would if he had stunk the joint out. It, no, but I'm saying if he, uh, well, I mean, yeah, but like, so what were you criticising him for? Is that if the difference is only the fact of how he handled that very last play? Uh, I think general play, we, I mean, a bit of criticism there as well. It's a tough day at the office for him. All right, well, look, I'm not saying you shouldn't criticise him. I'm I know, just saying I'm just that's like, what the point is, that it's yeah. like it's because it's a contest and you're against someone else. It's not, it's not free expression. You're not doing what you want. What about a golfer against the course and himself? <laughs> golf, golf, there is more room for it. But I think it is. I, I genuinely do think it is silly to criticise a golfer. Because I was, like, you're watching that the last day. There's one point where, like, John Ram is, like, six over. Yeah. And the leaders are six under. It's like, John Ram's not ten shots worse than that golfer. Yeah, <laughs> he, so he's, he's a disgrace. There's nothing he can do. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. Oh, there's nothing you can do if you write a bad play. Maybe just... Uh, I'm not, but I'm, that's why I'm going to criticise someone for writing a play. Oh, sorry, yeah, you wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't do that. But you would a sports for, person. I will for a sports person. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think if you're putting yourself out there in the in the public sphere, I think you should be criticised in a proper way, like as in... You know, I think, I think uh, uh, say, for example, an arts critic, I think it's important to tell... You know, that's the job of the arts critic is yeah. to tell people whether this play is worth going to see or not worth parting your money with. You know, I don't see what the... It's still a performance. I mean, if there's bad acting in the play, can you criticise that? Um, well, you can do anything like that. But I think my point was that I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> I have no interest in doing that because I just feel it's a harsh thing to do. But you don't but feel it's it's not bad harsh to say that someone's a disgrace for missing a penalty or oh, for... Yeah, but I wouldn't say that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what would you say? What would be your level of criticism of a sports person? He'll be disappointed with that. If it, <laughs> did, it, did, did it, they didn't have any hunger. <laughs> like I don't they know. Like, hungrier. I don't know. What's what the meanest say? thing you, you've said about a sports person? Do you oh, think in recent times? God, I don't know because I don't. If I think about that and come back, yeah. I need to remember what I'm watching. Would you call someone a disgrace? Uh, probably not a, for anything they've done in a sporting sense. What about a fraud? A fraud. Yeah, a fraud. There's a complete lack of effort. <laughs> what about a bottler? <laughs> there are a few. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I said the last few times I felt like that was watching Harry Maguire. There are times I'm watching Harry Maguire and I'm thinking, my God, you shouldn't be there. Oh, it's terrible. It's remarkable. It's one of the greatest. Oh, yeah. God almighty. Yeah. See, he's too big to fail almost. He's not going to hear you saying it. So it's easier. Would you say uh, he shouldn't be there about an Irish Sligo centre forward? On like on this platform? No, I probably wouldn't. There'd be no no benefit to that. Yeah. So you're just a fundamentally nice person. Yeah. You'd just be being an arsehole doing that. Imagine doing that to someone. 
Yeah. They hear that. Yeah. I have a bigger platform than they do and I have no platform at all. But God almighty. Yeah, but then you're not doing your job as a... I'm not. Thank, so are the standards not relative on this one, Joe? Whereby, say if someone stands up and takes a Penenka in a World Cup final and misses, uh, they're going to be mocked. Yeah. But if it happens at a lower level, we're unlikely to have the same level of criticism. I think so. I think so, so. Is Arthur's point wrong then? Um, or do you think he's being disingenuous by not being critical when maybe he feels critical of a player? But see, sorry, I'm of the opinion if you're doing this job, your loyalty is and, and your, your onus is to the listener who are like giving us their attention. So I feel, well, here I am. We've got to talk about the game. Let's talk about the game and let's do so honestly. Mm-hmm. But equally, where I don't agree with Arthur is that if I was talking about a play in a professional capacity that I just couldn't criticise it. I'd go to town on those guys as well. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> now we're a ruthless streak, Joe Malloy. No, I, that's uh, that's a hundred percent where I would feel. I don't, I don't feel qualified to comment on a play now. And some would say, and suppose myself <laughs> that I'm not qualified to comment on sport either. But it is it is where I've ended up. Uh, so I'll give it a go. And look, sometimes that's critical. And. It's not great, but you try and do it respectfully and qualify, like in a yeah, qualified yeah. manner. Sometimes, you know. Um, well, <laughs> you try to. I said, you know, I don't always succeed. Sometimes yeah. you're, you know. And there is the, the one bit of difference I would say, and maybe this comes from a bias, but I do feel like the kind of like passion and sort of letting it all get away from you a little bit is a little bit more a part of sport than a kind of a... Mm. You, you, I think you do have a little bit more of a considered view of the arts. Yeah, I hear you. Say, whereas, like, I, I think in some ways, like, being almost angry at Leinster a little bit at the weekend as to how... And nothing to do with Ross Byrne, as an overall sense of, like, their tactics and how they manage the, you know, the second half in particular. Like, that's faded now, and I can talk to you a little bit more uh, reasonably. But on Sunday, if we were having this conversation, I think I would have been quite critical sure. of them. Yeah, and true. that comes from caring about the, the uh, outcome. Yes, yeah. Next email. We're going to breeze through a few. Keep the uh, pace up. Jimmy Cook has emailed in. Hello, gentlemen. A long-time fan of OTB based in Chicago. What is the view in Ireland of American sports media coverage? <laughs> Joe got very excited about Chicago. <laughs> I do find it exciting. I bumped into somebody who tells me that he listens every day over in uh, Spain and I found it immensely. It's like, wow, that is crazy. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's more rewarding than yeah. if they're from Galway. If they're from I don't think that Jane Laura's picked you up, mate. Do you want to <laughs> <laughs> give him a ring? Uh, what is the view in Ireland of American sports media coverage? I'm 48, mad for sport, and I've lived most of my life in the States. However, I reached the point years ago where I simply could not tolerate the loud vapid coverage that has become commonplace in the US market. The list of perpetrators is long, but here are a few. I would just say at this point, I don't know all of these people. I know some of them. So he names Stephen A. Smith, who I do know. Skip Bayless. I don't feel like I know Skip, but I know the guy who screams, Skip! Skip! <laughs> uh, Shannon Sharp, don't know. Shannon Sharp's the guy who shouts Skip. <laughs> yes. Skip! That's pre- I like that. He's great. Skip Bayless is a clown. Virtually every NFL announcer and analyst, Gus Johnson and Kevin Harlan. I see that trend has spread to the UK and France as well. And he puts in brackets, talk sport, keep. A penny for your thoughts on the matter. Keep up the fine work, says Jimmy Cook. Well, look, I have to say, anytime I seem to tune into those American talk shows, I do find them deplorable. Nobody's behaving like a normal person. Everybody's far too certain of their own opinion. A lot of the stuff being said is really rehearsed. Yeah. Like I feel, you know, the way on like American 
late night talk shows, there's a sense behind the scenes. It's short, sharp. You have your bit prepared. I tee up, you deliver it. Boom. That's how they have traditionally worked. Whereas the late late show is a you know or or a Parkinson, it's it's more natural and real and, and free form, while still having a degree of preparation, I'm sure. But I, I feel like it's that equivalent in sports where they go on with their pre-rehearsed bit. They often do it to camera now. Yep. Like I, I do like it's dreadful. Now occasionally I do watch Stephen A. Smith and think, bloody impressive communicator. There is no doubt. Yes. Uh, like really impressive. I can't always judge the extent to which his opinions are good or not because I'm not an expert in, in the sports but like as a product when I'm watching it like in the main I would tend to agree with Jimmy Cook I think what we have over here is way better what they have over there is far too produced and self-conscious and fake my tuppence worth I don't watch it all the time like I said it's when I drop in and I think what is this weird world I like some elements of it Joe and I don't like some exactly what you described which is the ESPN monologue which goes directly down the camera where I think they're incredibly aware at this stage that a lot of these discussions are going to get clipped and the best way to go viral is to give the hottest take you possibly can and give that hot take in the firmest way you possibly and can in, in a clip form yeah oh very much so I think it's a 20-30 second monologue which you give down the camera and therefore you know that that's going to be your discussion on why the Lakers are struggling or whatever else and obviously you go in really hard or someone like Colin Cowherd who again will do like a long monologue but directly to camera and will have a go at a team probably I would say consciously going over the top because you know that it's going to stand out in a market where there's so much sports media in the USA Yeah. but then like I kind of enjoy some but I do enjoy the panel discussions sometimes where they get ridiculously heated and probably Stephen A. Smith is usually involved in most of them in yeah. a load of sports as well and I can enjoy the fact that they actually really passionately have a back and forth and you know don't hold back because the worst thing it could be is bland and boring yeah. when it comes to pundits and I think it has found its way over here because I think people realise how much it connects and how much people actually want to watch that format. Like, TalkSport wouldn't be doing this if TalkSport weren't getting viewers and listeners. Mm. I think there's a... The word I think the emailer used was vapid, was it? Like, yeah. it's like that's exactly how I feel it. It's like, what is the virtue of it? What are you? What am I getting out of Stephen A. Smith's anger about the Lakers? You know, or LeBron, and it's like I'm going to try and start a feud with LeBron, which will get national coverage and go viral. And it's like, Grant, it might be even entertaining to watch, but as what am I getting out of it in terms of sports coverage? Like, you know, where is the real sports conversation? Yeah. Now I'm sure it exists and it's there. And like, I mean, if you listen to, like, you know, the the Ringer will have fifty podcasts on it that will go into the most minute detail, but that won't get that won't be the. I listen to them, but it's not the TV. <laughs> But that's the thing it's not the TV so it's like if you turn on what are you getting so whatever forget about Twitter or whatever you're always going to find your uh, interests online wherever it might be uh, long form or short form but if you're just turning on ESPN they'll have Stephen A. Smith's like first take I think it's called yeah. but there's basically two shows before it and two shows after it that are the same thing Yeah, just different talking heads I, I, and they're all the same, same format and they're just like whatever they're just rapid fire talking nonsense well, about nothing. nothing when I first started seeing it I thought my god this is so compelling and then you realise oh they're angry every day mm. and then it just becomes so transparently pointless it's a genius format in a way though because you take a clip of what someone has said in the previous show you play it to someone else who then argues against it and that creates another clip and a way you can create a cycle year round and in the States particularly because they go from one sport to another as the seasons kind of overlap each other you can be annoyed about hockey today and be annoyed about American football when it comes back in a month's time mm. it's kind of never ending 
Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating. It's oh, so it's, gripping. It is fascinating. The amount of times, amount of time I've spent watching like aimless debates about LeBron or Jordan. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I haven't really watched either of them much, but it's like, it's just, no way, no way. No. <laughs> it's like, I mean, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, okay. I just feel like that's a good hour-long discussion. Maybe it's just a different, uh, maybe everybody has different preferences as to what they want in their sports People coverage. People like, would you know? love if you got in here and talked for half an hour about, like, Henry Scheffner, TJ Reid. Yeah, but you for <laughs> half an hour. As know, opposed like to, I'm talking about 20-second shouting sound bites that are yeah. prepared. That's a diff- There's no. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Entertaining as it is, there's nothing. You're not not getting anything from it. I don't mind the back and forth. Actually, I'd I'd be up for watching the debate. And yeah, when yeah, get yeah, heated yeah, enough yeah, for that. Yeah. But it's the down the camera pre prepared okay. stuff. As in, I don't see them so much. Here's my pitch to go viral, and here's my pre prepared answer. I and, find that just and like, Skip Bayless will do that a lot, particularly oh. if the Cowboys lose. Does it okay. matter if it is performative for the sake of being performative, but is also like, so, you know, we can say, you mentioned this earlier, Arthur, but like is, is uh, you know, when we liked our panels the yeah. best here, uh, not just in football, but in all the sports, really, they were a lot of arguments. To each other, yeah. 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 Do you think Irish people can pull off that brand of down the camera? Oh, yeah, the right person. That's how you go to go go. Name three. That's how you give it a rattle. Oh, no, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror afterwards. I mean, no, if, you were getting, if you were getting appreciated. Well, not you, but the other new stuff. Um, you were getting paid the appreciable amount. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say there's definitely a fee. Don't tell me there's not a fee. <laughs> Stephen A is one of the most, like, I mean, his recent contract, I don't have the numbers even in my head, but, like, it was astronomical. Your like, man just insane. Went there. Your man Pat McAfee just went there and it's seven figures. Oh, seven, yeah. or eight, seven or eight figures. Eight, seight, eight, seven or eight. I'm thinking tens of millions. It better be eight figures. Um, but I mean, so, okay, whatever about like a broadcaster, I and mean, I guess Stephen A. Smith is that as opposed to former player, but what like pundits could do it across any sport? Like Bernard Jackman's not going to do it. No. No. Bernard Jackman's great, by the way. But Bernard Jackman's inserts in the, uh, the Champions Cup final, I thought, on. Saturday yeah. were brilliant because he's not you trying know? to go viral like it's, a, it's, it's real exactly yeah. exactly what, what am I getting from that I'm getting yeah. exactly what I should be getting from so, analysis so, so give yeah. me one who's going to give me a two minutes you know Eddie O'Sullivan will give it a rattle ah no, he couldn't he couldn't do it though <laughs> he'd give it a rattle Pete, <laughs> Pete Dunphy would have done it Pete Dunphy would have he could do anything so well, he he, he's, yeah. but, but he's better but rowing exactly yeah. is he not much better shouting in Graham Soonis' face than he is doing a pre-prepared thing pre-prepared. for the camera. Yeah. Like, I mean, you listen, now, like, I mean, his, that said, yeah. his pre-prepared one on Terry Venables is maybe the best thing ever. <laughs> but again, he's speaking to someone. Yeah, he is, but, but, but that was... Well, the first time he'd said those words. By though, the way, I mean, it was again, rehearsed. I've mentioned this in the show once a month, but if anybody hasn't seen that, it's not as famous as some of the other ones, but it is the best dumpy there is. It's two parts on YouTube. Enjoy the set next 17 minutes of your life after 10 o'clock tonight, and, obviously. And it was journalism as well. It, it, it had a backbone, whereas I feel like I know, what I'm you. getting from the American guys is fast food. Yeah. Do you think, honestly, that like Stephen A. Smith's going to open up the A4 piece of paper and put on the reading oh, glasses? I think he does his work, though, by all accounts. Like, I do I think there's a degree of work behind it. Oh, because sure I think there's a huge amount, yeah. I remember in our house, like, when Dunphy put on the glasses... <laughs> Celebrations. Some, like there was a goal score. Somebody did say shush. <laughs> it was like the weather had come on. <laughs> uh, Stephen A. Smith, by the way, it just one of those funny things of, like, always having the hot take and always being angry, yeah. went on a big rant at the weekend. I mentioned the Lomachenko fight. 
uh, and you know there's a lot of controversy about it but what Stephen A. Smith was, was this is a disgrace that was a close fight that could have went either way the scoring was terrible and the scoring was like two points between him on two of the cards and like I remember like Lou DeBella and a few others were like Stephen, you just said it was a close fight that could have went either way and this is an awful scandal. This is the tightest the scoring could be with a winner, <laughs> with the way it goes. And this is like, again, it is that sort of like, there was controversy around it because some people thought that Lomachenko won easily and was beaten. Yeah. But because he was like, I have to be part of this controversy, so I'm going to call it a disgrace, yeah. but prove the point that it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. The great thing if you go that strong as well, you can always roll back eventually. Because I remember Stephen A. Smith saying that Tiger Woods should retire. No way Tiger Woods should hit another ball before he went out and won the Masters. Now, was it four years ago at this yeah. stage? And then when it happened, he kind of went, ah, I'm delighted for him. Great yeah. that he won. Yeah. There was another great thing. I heard him talking about it, or someone was talking about this. was a podcast about it that was very good, about like some of his techniques and how, like, you know, if, if, because he inevitably backed himself into a lot of corners <laughs> where it's like hard to get out and someone presents a different fact, but he'll just now throw out, like, say, outrageous, like six times. And it's like the other person's like, what's going on? They're kind of frazzled and you have time to think and start to back it up and bring it back around. Take that on to me, will you? Yeah, I'll send that. (laughs) I've heard of like an hour-long conversation with him with Bill Simmons. He comes across very likable and very reasonable. I'd be all over that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As opposed to the Um, clapping the hand stuff. Let's take a very short break. We'll be back in just one second. Now, you're welcome back. This is A Slight Tangent. We have myself, Will, Mick and Arthur here in the studio. We're going through your emails. A Slight Tangent at offtheball.com is the place to get us. So, let's jump in. No particular order. Your energy is quite low now, Joe. Is it? Sorry. Oh, well, Sorry. The break just looked it out you. <laughs> he wouldn't let us talk during the break because we use some of our best stuff. It Skip! Like... Skip! <laughs> <laughs> A big fan of this segment and I hope the rumours of a slight tangent and its demise have been greatly exaggerated. I was basically saying it had been cancelled when you were uh, away. (laughs) (laughs) I think listeners really appreciate the off the cuff and honest conversations rather than the contrived oh my god it's like the rest of the week. (laughs) 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 Well sorry it's like he's just uh, discussing what we were just discussing. Contrived material you see on other shows. I think this panel has legs to go on for a long long time yet. (laughs) He doesn't doesn't realise that we have three dress rehearsals come in at 8 o'clock in the morning on tangent days I'm only joking when I say it's you know being cancelled uh, as I'm sure you're all aware <laughs> Joanne Cantwell took on Don Logue on the Sunday game brilliantly about his comments about the Talchin Cup he was very evasive and didn't properly answer the question in my view however he did say something I might agree with do the teams want to be in the Talchin Cup as someone who is from one of the so-called weaker counties a description of his spies by the way I think he's correct I've edited some of this email, by the way, because it was lengthy. I see with pundits, prominent GA journalists and even fans, uh, they have a patronising attitude to the teams in the Talchin Cup. A phrase I keep hearing is, uh, isn't it great to see them play teams at their own level? First of all, this is far from true. There are hammerings in the Talchin Cup and I'll be shocked if the winner this year doesn't come out of Cavan Down or Meath. Zero in-depth analysis on any of the teams, players or matches and it stinks of lazy journalism. He goes on to, in lengthyish terms, can see that there might only be so much time but that there is a degree of uh, isn't it lovely for them and that's all we say about the Talshin Cup I know it can be difficult to cover everything given time constraints but the GA media such as RTE and your good selves can do a bit better I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on this and keep up the good work uh, if this email is one of the lucky ones to be read out please leave out my name from the airwaves I would greatly appreciate that 
says, uh, Declan, I won't give your second name. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> it's not McBennett. <laughs> oh, well, Jesus, says, sorry, Declan I didn't think Declan. it was. It's just Declan. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think he'll be okay unless, yeah. Uh, if I was suspicious as to who that was, like, that sounds like someone uh, I know, and then it was like, Declan, oh, Declan. <laughs> <laughs> Declan from one of the weaker counties I'm starting to add it up yeah 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 um, there can't be that many Declans out there what a weird exchange um, like Don Logue taken a bit by surprise and then needlessly defensive I suppose like if his core point was which he sort of half alluded to in between you misquoted me there he wasn't misquoted Joanne briefly misspoke correct yourself immediately quoted him perfectly and to go down a route of you misquoted me uh, was just odd I think most people thought and he didn't come across very well in the clip I have to say but if his core point which he briefly uh, explained was well do they want to be there um, you know it would have been fine I think he could have easily said look I'm not trying out to offend anyone but I, my, I was just getting at they don't want to be there it is a second tier competition then I think there would have been a degree of that is fair enough which is what the um, emailer Declan says you know I, I, I think that is a fair enough thing to say nobody wants to be there as such <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, that was lost a little bit in the frostiness of the exchange. So the language of the last two seasons has always been that if a team ends up outside Division Two at the end of the league, they drop into the Talton Cup. That yeah. has always been the language around it. I think for most teams who would aspire, they want to try and be in the All Ireland series and to try and win the Sam Maguire. So therefore, there is a certain sense of also runs about the teams who are in the Talton Cup. Was he just caught in the hop and therefore didn't think to just make that point? It was like a real felt real, like he was caught in the hop. We're here to talk bit. about early. Yeah. Still though, wouldn't you expect that he would have expected that question? Given particularly that Colin O'Rourke had spoken yeah, on here and also after the Mead game the week before, it had definitely been discussed quite a bit in the week that had gone by. Like if I'm sitting down on a panel, I'm half expecting, even if it's just a glancing joke or whether it's going to be a talking point, it's going to come up. Would you really be surprised about it? Mm-hmm. Like it felt like he was doubling down and being unnecessarily aggressive and evasive in his answer, I mm-hmm. found. Like this idea, oh, you've misquoted me. But there was no real difference in the substantive point anyway. It was the mis- point was... It was a misspeak, not yeah, a misquote. And she but, corrected herself straight yeah, away. But like, do you stand over the fact that you've said that the Talton Cup is like a grand national for all to runs? Mm. Do you stand over that or not? Like, don't look at it and say, yeah, I do. Like, yeah. no one wants to play there. Tiered competitions are required. And it kind of came from his point where he was trying to say about hurling. He could have said, you know what? The Joe McDonough Cup wouldn't have been great if it got as much coverage as the Talton Cup. And everything could have moved on. Mm. But he was evasive and that continued that very spiky conversation where it felt like Dalo and Joe wanted to go out of the room. Yeah. It was needless. It was, it was yeah. completely needless. Because he's in a position, he was in a very clear position of power and authority there as well. Just even sitting there, like he, like, like I, you don't want to analyse these things too much, but he always looks quite at home in those positions. He's not w- afraid of anything coming at him. He's not afraid of that. And I think it was just odd, oddly dealt with. Hmm. 2019 semi-final Joe of the All-Ireland Championship when they were there to talk about hurling when he was talking about Wexford's style of play he compared the sweeper to the black and tans and said it was a remnant of Britishness in these islands that teams were still setting up defensively <laughs> Don Log is no problem going with a <laughs> off stage or off the main road kind of comment when it comes to analysing sport as well hmm. I went back to find the clip because I remember I saw it I saw it and I remember every minute of it anyway like yeah 
apparently it was part of the British psyche that we're unwilling to um, experiment with our games that we reduce back to the fact that like we go to post-colonial hangover type he thing. actually used post-colonial I think in there as well it was an absolutely bonkers well, absurdism do you but know what though for, they've been criticised for being bland in the Sunday papers a lot lately so it was a bit of thing, a and I actually thought that was really it, weird that know? Joe Brawley was criticising um, Don Logue last week when only the week before he was writing about the fact that the pundits had become too bland mm. yeah it, it was the most interesting clip we'll see from the Sunday game all year yeah. like, but it kind of goes to what you know what what is it really? You know what I mean? It was it was awkward and strange, and you'd almost want that fire to be a little bit more, like, a, a, you know, losing in an argument, like losing themselves in an argument about sport. That's kind of what we've been looking for. I don't know if the I find frostiness between a presenter and a, and a pundit quite uncomfortable. I have mm-hmm. to say, I don't think it's like as 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 much as you know, it, people watch it and it went viral and all. I don't feel it's in necessarily in a good way. Whereas I think if Don Logue and Daly or whatever, or even Joanne are having a fight over like a red card or something like that, and they both feel passionate about something in that way, whereas this was a kind of a strange one, I thought. The you degree know? of you're trying to catch me out here and it got yeah, frosty. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting, lads. The Sunday game put up two clips in pretty much successive weeks. Uh, maybe it was over a three-week period. The GEA goal debate went up in full, the full 10 minutes. And they put up the three minutes of the back and forth between Joanne and Don Rogue. So I think they know it's box office as mm. well. Mm. On a separate point, I'm not, and I didn't see the rest of the coverage, so I don't know what relations were like. But it, I saw the clip and I thought, oh. They had, a, they had a, a, I, I didn't see that part and then saw it afterwards, but ha- didn't realise they, ma- they made a reference uh, to a daily or something, said something uh, kind of like, an unsure point I suppose and Joanne jumped in and said you'd want to be getting your facts right on this show Okay, and <laughs> Don Logue started breaking his arse oh, laughing that's like you know story. there was a now in fairness you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't uh, I didn't know what was going on because <laughs> I hadn't seen the clip initially but uh, you, know, I, I, you know you'd feel okay about that oh, well, having seen that part yeah, this was maybe at half time in the Clare match or yeah. in between the games it's like the great kind of gift to Bill for instance was that they could say, "Ah, oh, Bill, you're an idiot. You don't understand anything." Yeah, and he'd chuckle. Yeah, and there was no lingering. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have that. So no, no. She she actually handled that bit oh, brilliantly. In, in what what about um, the point, which is maybe the core of the email? Talchin Cup coverage. Everyone said, "Isn't it great?" And like, there's hammerings left, right, and center there as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, look, I think the Talchin Cup is going to be like it's like the League Cup. You know, like what happens now in the Talchin Cup isn't important, but if Mead and Cavan go to a final and it'll mean something once yeah. you're there and the silverware I think will matter and I think ultimately it is good that we have that competition I never understand the obsession with coverage you know like especially when we still have the uh, the the provincial championships at the moment and everybody's technically in the All-Ireland from the start I never understand the obsession with coverage coverage doesn't matter it should be important to the teams and counties involved um, or it's not, you know, but like, I mean, that's what we have to strive for. The idea that suddenly we have to do an hour talking about the ins and outs of Talchic Cup games that we haven't seen, I just think is a, it, it's a ludicrous proposition and it's never going to happen. The one thing I would just slightly argue with, and this is coming from like, I'm, you know, predominantly a hurling person, that would be my passion in the GEA, though I also love Gaelic football. I do feel like Gaelic football does get a bit of a raw deal when the Talchic Cup is always compared to the John McDonough and the Christie Ring in that. There's an awful lot of counties that are in the Talchin Cup where their first preference in that county for GEA is football. And this is, so Leitrim, for example, 
are playing in the Talchin Cup. That is their predominant, um, that is their GEA county team. Yeah that are playing in that whereas that's not the case in any of the lower tier hurling competitions except for with the argument with the exception of maybe Offaly you know um, maybe Carlo you could say but I, I, I would say probably none of them really I think most teams you know? are genuine dual count. it's not to say they don't matter it's not to say they shouldn't get coverage but I'm just saying that like there is a slight difference there in that like if you're not getting coverage in the Talson Cup for those counties then you're getting no GA coverage whatsoever whereas like you know uh, Kerry and Meath and so on can survive without the hurling coverage. Yeah, I think to be fair to the coverage at the end of the Talton Cup last year, Orty did something very clever from the semi-finals on where they were broadcasting them. They got players from the counties who were involved in the Talton Cup who would have played against or seen the players. And I thought as a result, the analysis was really good on it. I think what tends to happen is if it's just a snippet that's shown on the Sunday game, understandably, you've got maybe two ex-players who've been watching primarily the provincial or the All-Ireland knockout games. And therefore, they're not going to know a huge amount about the teams involved. These teams are not screened during the league either. So you can hardly expect them to know a whole lot outside of a few platitudes. And that's where sometimes they get you that kind of pat on the head attitude about it as opposed to yeah, being able to go to a You have to say something and so it yeah. comes out yeah. as a good on him. But when Westmead won it last year, like we had the manager and we had John Heslin on on the Monday night and we had a great chat with them and it was really, really in uh you know entertaining but also kind of informative conversation and this there was great scenes in Westmead when they went home and it mattered. You know, and that's all we need, I think, from a national perspective, is to show that this, once you get to that point, we don't need to be, to, like, it's not that we don't need to be worried about it, but from a, there's a lot of sport to cover and the group stages of the Talta Cup are never going to get prominence. Yeah. And people just have to accept that. It's nothing to do with, uh, you know, people picking and choosing. You, you, you pick the top level of the sport. That's just what we do it's, mm. uh, across all all sports. And there's even in the print journals, there is a finite amount of reporters that can go around to games. So you're going to end up with the roundup coverage for the best part. But I noticed over the last few weeks, the first two rounds of the Talton Cup actually got quite a bit of newspaper coverage. Um, so at least there's stringers sending in reports and all of them. The, one of the issues with that Don Logue, and I don't think he's articulated well at all, right? But and again, it comes back to like the Diego debate that we're not going to go back down to again. But the 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 TV deal, everyone keeps saying we have more TV coverage than ever before, right? The TV deal uh, is for the third time in a row. So the third package in a row has thirty one free to air games on RT, right? That includes an extended football championship an extended hurling championship the first time that was when when the number went up right and then an extended football championship plus the Talton Cup games and the Joe McDonough final you know so it's like you are actually seeing less of the main championships yeah. because of the Talton Cup now it's only a game or two but the the original sin here was not bumping RTE's number when you've you've bumped your championship but you kept the number the same twice mm. like that's I feel it's so underreported lads yeah, like I'm all for the games being on. By the way, I think the Talton Cup semi-finals final jump on Dundee yeah. is great, but it's four games that are now ring fenced, and then you take the was it eight provincial finals or sorry six provincial finals into account as well. That's a lot of games before RT ever make a pick. And yeah. what else they're going to show from thirty one? Yeah, uh, Emmett in Dublin. This from a few weeks ago, to be fair, but uh, it made the cut all the same. I am both fascinated and infuriated by the Martin Taylor. Tyler hates my club. Uh, nonsense that has been all over social media the last few years I've long thought that Martin Keown delete 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 uh, but his talk sport rant about Tyler was pathetic even by his own delete 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 uh, I wrote a piece on the Tyler conspiracy stuff a few months ago link below you did include the link in looking it up I found reports of Tyler being abused by fans of Liverpool Arsenal Manchester City Manchester United and Spurs 
due to various alleged biases in the last few years. Apparently, he hates them all. Not only is it completely stupid, but it shows a total lack of understanding of what good commentary is. And it doesn't take into the fact that he is uh, 77 and understandably just on the decline as a broadcaster. Bloody hell. It's drive-by and everybody here. <laughs> 77. That's he's impressive still, that Martin Tyler's doing what he's doing. Still brilliant, I think. Uh, like any good conspiracy theory, it latches onto a nugget of evidence and ignores all the contradictory evidence that proves yes. the idea makes no sense. And when enough people start saying the same thing, it gathers momentum from there. Social media has obviously been a huge factor in making football fans even more tribal and irrational. But I wonder, is there any link between this kind of paranoia and the style of cheerleader punditry that Sky has been driving recently with Neville, Carragher, Richards, etc.? Would like to hear your thoughts on it. All the best, Emmett and Dublin. I mean, the Tyler thing's just very simple. He just doesn't get excited anymore when a goal happens. That's all it is. Yeah. The side by side stuff are very funny because I like I've only ever really heard this from Liverpool. You mean in, the, in, the guy impersonating him, like miming his? No, you know the one where they'll have like you know the, a goal that's like Liverpool scoring the eighty ninth minute with this exact context, and here's the Manchester United goal at oh, the exact sorry, okay. same context, and he's like ah, versus like oh United will be disappointed with that for me, your goal, you know. But like there are there are obviously clips of that, but I've always found Liverpool Liverpool fan in particular. This is what I've seen. It's interesting that he says all the other clubs feel the same way, but the Liverpool fans' obsession with this is unbelievable <laughs> and I always used to laugh at it and then I would talk to like you know normal minded Liverpool fans the type of people you have a conversation with to slag the the nutters yeah and they'd be like oh no but that is true though okay you know and they're like hold on no it's not no it's not you're complete this is the one this is the conspiracy theory you've decided to go on that Martin Tyler hates Liverpool because it is it's crazy it's so funny why would it matter <laughs> oh like, well the yeah not the referee but I suppose if you're listening to someone you think if hates you're constantly your listening. team for 90 minutes, that would get in on you. But if you're like, this is this is the Sky experience, if you're not a Manchester United or Liverpool fan, is that you will watch that team uh, play as a second fiddle team to Manchester United or Liverpool. That's the way it is. You know, yeah. they, they have I'm with two you, Joe. teams I'm more familiar with the TikTok guy who yeah. puts his, I look slightly depressed while Martin Tyler comments. I can't this. think of his name. It's so good. It's like... Oh, older. Firmino's finished that one. He's, he's <laughs> miming like this. And <laughs> it really works, you know. <laughs> oh, that's good. And then yeah. he's like, oh, is it VAR? Sits up, you know, expectantly, hopefully. Oh, no, VAR's given that. The goal's been given. That kind of stuff. It is good. Um, I've never once listened to a commentator and thought he's biased. Mm. Like, I've thought the English commentators with the European team are supporting the European team, obviously. Like from Clive... In Tilsley in '99, yeah. to even out the BT Sport commentary. Oh, they're openly supporting Man like, City. Yeah, come on, yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. I found Steve McManaman, who played for Man City for a little while, but also won a European, two European Cups with Real Madrid. His bias towards Man City, I was really surprised with. Like it was really strong. Um, it was supportive, you know. Um, but look, fair enough. Like I mean, uh, they are talking to an English audience. Like it's quite it, impressive. I never would listen. Now I've never even had this thought before. But like I've never listened to Dave McIntyre or. Darren Maloney like commentating on Dublin winning a football All-Ireland and thought ah lads no the only time Dave ever let it go was the time he was commentating on a Premier League match and we went back to studio and Ger said that uh, David Codley had been sent off in the All-Ireland semi-final and Dave's mic was still up and he got ah Jesus Christ <laughs> I remember that yeah <laughs> he was at a Premier League game yeah. just hearing uh, yeah. he was in like Old Trafford or somewhere yeah yeah. Saul tells being interviewed about this and he worked in Liverpool for quite a while and so he was at Hillsborough I remember yeah and yeah. Tilsey's natural inclination is towards Manchester United it's obviously 1999 to be fair I knew he supported United the way he commentated on them yeah yeah. 
But they he, always score. <laughs> yeah. But then he kind of said that like he worked on Everton and Liverpool matches for so long. Yeah. It was almost like he was hiding any bias he would have had towards Manchester United. That he's basically the model pro. He's the yeah. guy who goes on air and leaves all that behind. Uh, to the point that you know, he admits he obviously enjoyed ninety nine a little bit, but he said at that point it was just about broadcasting the game. Do you know what's really People interesting? I, I, was just, I, was, I was at the Leinster game at the weekend, and I just realised, like, I don't know why I've done this to myself, but like, the supporter in me's gone and everything. No feeling. It's such a like. So I remember in oh nine and eleven and twelve, it being big and loving that team and supporting that team. Whereas now I was just watching that game, even being at the stadium analytically. Totally. And like people next to me, like standing up for the three Leinster try, like, like by try three, they were like, what is happening? Yeah. Everyone's mind blown. And I'm kind of like, there's something sad around. about that, I think. Oh, I did, I did yeah. occur to me, I was like, you lose geez, something from definitely, your sport. Yeah. And it's not like, look at me, what a true journalist. It wasn't a conscious decision. Well, but I just noticed, I was like, I'm only just kind of watching this dispassionately in a, I told me this on Monday kind of a way. Were you thinking about what you're going to ask Bod as opposed yeah, to? A yeah, yeah, a bit of that. Yeah, a bit of that. Can I just say, like, on like Martin Tyler is commentating on because he does every country in the world. It seems to me as well. He's probably commentating on four football games a week for his entire life, right? For the last fifty-five years. Yeah. Um, the idea that he cares <laughs> That's at this stage—an stage. exaggeration. No, no, it isn't. But yeah. what I'm trying to say actually is that I am so far removed in that. Like, I can still be a supporter or whatever like that. But what people don't realize is when you're working, and I mean behind the scenes, I'm not even like I, like what you're doing in terms of like anchoring, uh, you know, the rugby coverage or whatever like that. I mean behind the scenes when you are actually working, you don't feel the same way you just don't no. the idea that like I, like the idea that I uh, would be bring any of the same biases to a match I was working at that I would have sitting at home or being in the stands uh, with my friends or whatever it's just it just naturally doesn't happen because you have a job to do and yeah. it's it's too dispassionate and I, I find that and that's me in a, in a role that doesn't even matter and that I don't have to do that Martin Tyler does not care about what which one of those teams win or lose and uh, I I would be, I would go to, I would be so sure of that mm. I would put my mortgage on it mm. like, you know do you Arthur like the Martin Tyler I'm not going to lose my mind over every go style because that is his defining style now in some ways is that he rarely gets too up or too down in his commentary which I, yeah. I don't think is the modern style anymore do you reckon that's influenced by VAR at all I find that now. I'm thinking every single goal. I still think about it every single goal that I goes do, in. I do feel it predates far. Like I remember okay. if you Fernando Torres's first goal for Chelsea somehow always stuck in my mind because it was like a moment mm-hmm. and it was like he talked and it's into Torres and it's high class Torres as he scored. And I, I, I remember thinking so that would have been 08 territory I think. Didn't Aguero happen after that? The most iconic piece of commentary in Premier League history. Yeah. So I mean he has the good sense. I mean it, so I'm saying he, he doesn't get up for every goal. Yeah. Which I quite like. He does hold a very, a fairly unique position, being so prominent in such a a juggernaut. Like you do associate him with every big game that's on. It's kind of Which remarkable some, that he's some maintained goal, like, that position for thirty odd years on Sky alone. Who are it's, it's be, I'm sure they're as ruthless as any media company, you know. Uh, yeah, Graeme Souness at seventy. He, they didn't renew his contract he told us yeah but who, who's come true to take his, his mantle in that time like he is still the big game commentator no doubt about it yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we're out of time we didn't even get to all the emails we intended to this evening so that was a slight tangent Will, Mick and Arthur thank you very much we'll do this again soon